Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast. Happy Thursday, everybody. I hope y'all are having an amazing day fantabulous day as we are over here on the take it easy podcast make sure to follow download and leave those five star reviews doesn't have to be a nice review just has to be that five star review on apple podcast or spotify or overcast or wherever it is that you stop into podcasts so I want to talk today about the Indianapolis Colts because they seem to be the pressing storyline coming out of training camp. And we've kind of bounced around the NFL a bit here in the last couple weeks and took a two-day hiatus to laugh at NBA free agency and then actually seriously talk about NBA free agency and have some fun with Morgan from Australia. By the way, U.S. still number one. Australia, good luck in that bronze medal game. But yeah, we're, we're still number one. Uh, 20 point victory, like I said. Uh, and I would have won the over. Anyways, so we've bounced around to the Raiders. We talked about the Dolphins last week with the Xavier Howard trade that's kind of been sitting there and his trade request that he, you know, he's showing up so he won't get fined, which is more a problem with his NFLPA that they won't support him through a contract negotiation. But Xavier Howard did indeed request a trade, and the Miami Dolphins got a a story that we talked about on uh, Wednesday of last week, and we did a report card for the Raiders. And, you know, we've we've bounced around the NFL a little bit here. And so I wanted to go into the Indianapolis Colts because they are the team that this early in training camp, pre-Hall of Fame game, which is this weekend, first football game of the season that everyone will watch except me because I make a stand that I don't watch the Hall of Fame game just like I don't watch the Pro Bowl. Actually, is that tonight or is it on Sunday? I'm trying to trying to make sure. Is tonight the first football game? That would be uh, a little bit of an upset if I come to find out that tonight is the uh, tonight is the Hall of Fame game. Yeah, tonight is the Hall of Fame game. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I'll probably skip that, but yeah, there's football tonight anyways. Um, so, oh, also breaking news coming into the show. I was looking it up on Bleacher Report. We've got some breaking news here this morning that Julius Randall has agreed to a four year, $117 million contract with the New York Knicks. Now it wasn't much of a surprise, but Randall got that max extension at 30 mil a year 
to stay with the uh, mediocre New York Knicks who now add Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier. And I loved Knicks fans rationalizations around uh, Kemba Walker, which is just like, we've been watching Alfred Payton for 20 years and just other versions of Alfred Payton. We really don't care if Kemba Walker's hurt. Kemba Walker is at least exciting. The Knicks will take it. They got Evan Fournier, who we laughed at yesterday, and spending $66 million on a starting lineup of Derrick Rose, Reggie Bullock, uh, Nerlens Noel, uh, Evan Fournier, and I forgot who the last person is now. But uh, the point being, the Indianapolis Colts have made some... Uh, I'm sorry, the New York Knicks have made some uh, weird decisions, but ju- extending Julius Randle is not one of them. In fact, it's something they kind of had to do. Same thing as the Atlanta Hawks. You maybe don't want to pay John Collins $125 million, but at some point you just got to do it because John Collins is a player you can use to acquire a better player down the road. So at a certain point, you just got to suck it up and give him the money and then look to trade him down the road, just like the Miami Heat did with Duncan Robinson. You'll move him in a better offer. So that's the breaking news. Knicks is extending Julius Randle here in free agency. Still waiting on Kawhi. Assume he'll go back to the Clippers, but at least we're not waiting this out like we did back in 2019 where it was just the death of me for like a week trying to see if Kawhi would come to the Lakers only for him to end up on the Clippers. Speaking of which, before we get back to the Colts, there was a badass report in the Ramona Shelburne story that Russell Westbrook during that 2019 free agency called Kawhi Leonard and asked if he wanted to team up. And then Kawhi hung up on him and immediately called Paul George and said, you won't believe what Russell Westbrook just did. And so Paul George ends up being the one that leaves Russell Westbrook in the dust and forms a super team over with the Clippers. So that is a badass move by stone cold assassin Kawhi Leonard that came up this week. And I just am obsessed with that story. And as we talked about yesterday, I'm obsessed with Kobe white with the fact that Kobe white just got absolutely destroyed by bulls management three times in 24 hours, three times they told Kobe white to pound sand. And uh, I am guessing he just wished he would have been out in that Orlando trade a couple months ago. So that's uh, another fun thing from NBA free agency. It's always fun when we get breaking news on the podcast, even though this podcast will probably be listened to by everyone well after you've seen that Julius Randle signed an extension with the New York Knicks. But I wanted to come here and talk about the Indianapolis Colts because the Colts have been the victims of injury bug during training camp so far as Carson Wentz, their prize quarterback who they gave up a second round pick for and is presently the ninth highest paid QB in the NFL according to salary cap value. He gets more than that just in terms of guarantees early on once he got traded. But Carson Wentz, currently the ninth highest paid quarterback according to cap value is gone for five to 12 weeks. And now with the exact same foot injury, Quentin Nelson, the best guard in the NFL franchise cornerstone of the Indianapolis Colts right there with best middle linebacker in the NFL, Darius Leonard 
is out for the same five to 12 weeks. And so Indianapolis has been a fascinating team going back two years now for me. In fact, it was two years ago this month that Andrew Luck retired. And this was the first big moment we had on the podcast. I remember when we first started Take It Easy, we did all-time baseball teams by last name letter in the month of August. Like we were we were striving for that content. We were talking about Teddy Bridgewater. And we're still striving to find more content now, but it's not quite as dormant as it was back in 2019. And then Andrew Luck happened and we had one of our most successful podcasts in the history of the Take It Easy podcast. And what ended up happening after that was a fascination that I've had with Andrew Luck. It's, it's, I mean, for some people, there is a precedent. If you go back 60, 70 years to Jim Brown and Barry Sanders, but there was no precedent in my lifetime for a player in the midst of their prime coming off of a season where for the last 10 weeks of the season, he had the highest QBR in the NFL His defense was rated number one in the NFL. They were number one in offensive efficiency. They had the number one offensive line in the NFL. They finished nine and one, won a playoff game. After starting one and five, by the way, the 2018 Colts started one and five, went nine and one to end the season, made the playoffs, beat the Texans in the wildcard game, and only lost to the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. And I attest that had they played the Super Bowl champion Patriots, the Indianapolis Colts would have beat them. They just unfortunately ran into the Chiefs in the divisional playoff round. And before they ever got a chance to open that Super Bowl window, Andrew Luck aborted a dynasty. And we never heard from him since. Well, to be fair, we did hear from him uh, on his first public interview when we went on our magical journey chasing Andrew Luck back on February 6th. 2021 you can go back in the archives and find that podcast as well when we went on our our magical journey to find Andrew Luck and Andrew Luck never said anything he just disappeared from the face of the earth and it left the Colts in what I felt like in, in my heart was an unprecedented situation when you look back through history and this is a great quote from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, history can become a roadmap to learning about problem solving in the present. Because most things, whether it be in football or in light or in larger societal issues, whether it be um, race relations or whether it be wars, uh, there is some sort of historical precedent for what it is that is being done. It's really, really hard to invent new situations when so much has been done across hundreds of years. And in professional sports, the sample size is smaller, but college football talks about this all the time. It's almost impossible to invent something new. It's usually a blend of things that have already been done, but you've had hundreds of thousands of minds innovating to create new ways to gain an edge and a lot of innovation i put innovation in air quotes is an evolution of some sort of old type of pattern usually at the high school levels or the college levels 
even the air raid offense came from the run and shoot and came from the Lavelle Edwards offense at BYU, the air raid being the greatest offensive innovation of the last 30 years in football. And all of it is some sort of adaptation of something that has existed in the past. And it's really hard to find a, an unprecedented situation. But in the NFL, there is a scenario for unprecedented situations because players don't change teams as often in the NFL. And so I was going back through the historical archives and wanted to see when in NFL history has a team gone from having a star player, like a franchise cornerstone, and then the next year they did not have said franchise cornerstone. And the, the first place to think was retirements. And obviously the one that came to mind is the one that Andrew Luck will probably be linked with for the rest of time, which is Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders in August of 1999 decides that right a day before the start of Lions training camp that, you know, he's not going to report to the Detroit Lions. And so Barry Sanders, two years after winning the MVP of the NFL, walks away from the sport uh, in, right before training camp. Some people knew, some people didn't, but he uh, he sends a, a letter to his local Wichita paper and has it published, and then Barry Sanders is indeed retired. And so the following season, the Detroit Lions in 1999 end up having a weird, miraculous run where they go eight and four to start the season and they win against the eventual Super Bowl champion Rams and Kurt Warner. I should say Disney superstar Kurt Warner because they're making a Disney movie played Kurt Warner being played by the guy who plays Shazam. And so the Lions end up starting eight and four and they have a quarterback change because their quarterback gets hurt and Gus Farrow ends up starting for the Lions that year. And this is this eight and four season comes despite the fact that the Detroit Lions were five and 11 the year prior when Barry Sanders rushed for, I believe, 1500 yards in 1998. And two years before, Barry Sanders won MVP of the league in 1997. And the Lions were the sixth wildcard team, losing to Tony Dungy's Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the wildcard. And they went eight and four to start this weird, miraculous season that made people think that they had moved on from Barry Sanders. And then the Lions end up losing the last four games of the season. They get into the playoffs. And in 2004, Five, I want to say football outsiders did a list of the worst playoff teams in the history of the NFL and the Lions were at the top of that list. One of the worst playoff teams in the history of the NFL. They go eight and eight and they lose in the first wildcard game. And so in 2000, they come back and they go nine and seven. And. This is the season when they fire Bobby Ross, who had been the coach during Barry Sanders' MVP season. And in 2001, the team bottoms out and they fire everyone. And this is when uh, Matt Millen 
gets hired as general manager, who ends up being the worst general manager in the history of the NFL, ends up being responsible at the very end for the 0-16 Detroit Lions. And so the Lions bottom out. They have a two-win season and a three-win season, and they're terrible for a decade. And really, that continues until they get Calvin Johnson and Matthew Stafford, and they make the playoffs a couple times. But the Lions are overall just terrible for a decade. And it didn't come immediately after the loss of Barry Sanders. It only took it only was after they got some separation from Barry Sanders that they ultimately bottomed out because they had a ridiculously talented team, both in 1999 and in 2000. I shouldn't say ridiculously talented with Barry Sanders. They would have made the playoffs because they made the playoffs uh, in 1999 and 2000. And so. The Detroit Lions end up bottoming out after that three, three years after Barry Sanders leaves. They end up or two years, two calendar years and three seasons after Barry Sanders leaves. The Detroit Lions end up bottoming out. This is the exact same position the Indianapolis Colts find themselves in. But the Indianapolis Colts are very much not in a position to bottom out and start over again. And part of that is the the sustainable success of Chris Ballard, which I was very high on back in 2019 when they had all of this available cap space. They were saving it to re-sign some people and try and build the team that way. And, you know, Indianapolis, I've soured a bit on Indianapolis in part because now they've gone from being this overachieving success story to an underachiever just by virtue of losing Andrew Luck and never being able to figure out the quarterback position. And one of the reasons the Colts are not bottoming out is because they had one of the greatest draft classes in the history of professional football in 2018. They started with the number three pick after they bottomed out that year. Andrew Luck missed the entire season. They went four and 12. And they got the number three pick in the draft. They traded up with the Jets so that the Jets could get Sam Darnold. The Jets went to three. The Colts went to six. They got three second round picks from the Jets. And they, with the number six pick, they took Quentin Nelson, who in three seasons has made three All-Pro teams. And they took in the second round with their own draft pick, Darius Leonard, the best middle linebacker in the NFL. And both of them made all pros in their rookie seasons for the first time since Dick Butkus and Gale Sayers. It was one of the best draft classes in the history of the NFL by virtue of getting not one, but two all pro talents on the same team. And Instantly, the Colts had regenerated and rejuvenated that youth pool that they were looking for. They had all kinds of cap space that they were beginning to spend, like giving Devin Funchess a one-year deal, which I know doesn't seem like much, but you know the Colts weren't in the market for spending on giant free agents. They, they brought in a Justin Houston here and there and made sure to maintain cap flexibility. And they had that year with Frank Reich where they start one in five, 
and then they make the playoffs because Andrew Luck ends up being number one in QBR the rest of the season. He wins comeback player of the year. And then that was it. And that was it for the Andrew Luck dynastic run with the Indianapolis Colts. We've talked time and time again about how football legislates parity really well. But the Colts have been great at replenishing that that talent system with the draft picks that they've had at their disposal. That the Colts aren't going to bottom out. So look back to 2019 for an example. This was right after Andrew Luck retired. Jacoby Brissett was going to be the quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts until he got hurt. Brian Hoyer started a game against Miami. All their running backs got hurt. They were playing with fourth string wide receivers, fourth string running back Jordan Wilkins, and a third string tight end, as well as a third string quarterback. So third string quarterback Brian Hoyer, fourth string running back Jordan Wilkins, fourth string wide receivers, and third string tight ends by the end of that season. And they still finished seven and nine. The Colts were still at the very least mediocre with a with a torn apart roster because they were able to win just enough games with defense and running the ball with their poor offensive line. In fact, they found themselves one game away from winning a weak AFC South on a Thursday night game against the Texans where they lost 20 to 17 and it became clear that Jacoby Brissett was not an NFL starting quarterback, which we all kind of knew but it became painfully obvious after he lost them a game against the Houston Texans that would have vaulted them into playoff positioning. Instead, they were now two games back of the Texans with about five to play. There wasn't much hope left for the Colts. So then we fast forward to 2020. We have a rebound with obviously getting Phillip Rivers and They end up having some disappointing losses first week of the season to Jacksonville and then the Steelers who were reeling with three straight losses end up beating the Colts in a game the Colts were slight favorites in. It would have locked up a potential AFC South division title. Instead, the Titans jumped them, win a miraculous game against the Texans the last week of the season and only by the Dolphins getting the brakes beat off them by Buffalo in the last week of the season. Did the Colts even make it to the playoffs? So they sneak in as a seven seed, nine and seven, slightly better. I'm sorry. No, they were 10 and six that year, 10 and six, slightly better. Uh, And the Indianapolis Colts end up making a seven seed and losing a quote unquote winnable game against Buffalo. I say winnable because they, if not for a turnover on downs and kicking a field goal inside the 10 yard line, they would have been up 17 to three on Buffalo at halftime. They, they did not execute well on offense. They could have been up 17, three early on in that game and they end up losing to Buffalo. So the Colts walk away with a two year record right now of 17 and 15 post Andrew Luck. Again, a team that with a similar core, they didn't lose any key players, finished nine and one and won a playoff game the season before Andrew Luck retired. 
which part of that is the closing of windows in the NFL, like windows don't stay open forever, but the Colts were a dynasty in the works because they had the star players like Anthony Costanzo, like Andrew Luck being in the midst of their primes, and they had replenished the young talent with all pro players like Darius Leonard and Quentin Nelson. This was how the uh, Ryan Kelly's another good example. He was uh, on his rookie contract at the time. He's now signed an extension, but he was a good example too. And the Colts found themselves in a position where they were ready to take a leap to like championship game level good, like team that was ready to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. And Andrew Luck retires and leaves this void at quarterback that in that 17 and 15 run, think about that. In this 17 and 15 run, they've had Jacoby Brissett, Brian Hoyer, Phillip Rivers, and Jacob Eason as their starting quarterbacks. The Colts have not had a good quarterback since Phillip Rivers. And then we can go into this year where they're rolling out with Eason again with. Carson Wentz, who is a bit of a, you know, a a project right now. We don't exactly know what Carson Wentz is or is going to be, but they're rolling out with Carson Wentz. And now that they don't have Carson Wentz, it's either going to be Jacob Eason again or Sam Ellinger or someone else who we mix into mix into this team with, you know, a Bridgewater or whoever else they they try and trade for one of these fringe level starters or really good backups or whatever they end up doing. And the Colts are not the Detroit lions. And so I I was going through free agency and NFL hasn't had a big free agency in its history. Salary cap sport. The fact that these players are incentivized to get the contracts that stay with the teams that they played for and, The best examples I can think of are one, Tom Brady going to the Buccaneers, but it's too early to tell on that one. Yes, they won a championship and it's too early to tell on what the Patriots are going to become because the Patriots probably would have been this mediocre with or without Tom Brady. They just didn't have the roster for it. And Peyton Manning was the other one, but the Colts are an albatross of an example in NFL history because, well, they walked away with Andrew Luck as a consolation prize. They got a once in a gener or once in a five year quarterback, which I call generations, but once in a five year quarterback as a consolation prize for losing Peyton Manning. So they're not a great example either. So I went back to 1994 to look at the Deion Sanders Falcons. Did they avoid bottoming out? Because in my mind, I knew like, okay, so 1993 ish, Deion Sanders goes to the Cowboys, or no, he goes to the 49ers then goes to the Cowboys later. But Deion Sanders was the heart and soul of the Falcons. He was the best player on the team by far. And the Falcons, I know like five years later, they end up going to a Super Bowl. But then I started looking through it and they get, you know, they get slightly better without Dion and then they bottom out. And then two years later, they make a miraculous Super Bowl run that I didn't even know existed because I'd later find out they beat the 1998 Minnesota Vikings, one of the great upsets in the history of the NFL, according to point spread. So they did have to bottom out to get there. And the Colts are not going to bottom out just by virtue of Darius Leonard and Quentin Nelson. 
It's like with the Rams. The Rams can be bad, but the Rams can be mediocre because they just have a base level of talent that's going to prevent them from being worse than the Jacksonvilles and the Houstons and the New Yorks, both teams of the world. And the Colts are in the same position where they can hang out in mediocrity or being above average, one of the two. It depends what you determine the Colts to be. Again, they're about average. They're they're fifth they're 17 and 15 across the last two seasons, but acknowledging that quarterback play has been a problem for them and some health issues have come up, whether it's Marlon Mack only playing like 10 games in the last two years or injuries to T.Y. Hilton and replacing wide receivers and things like that. But the Colts find themselves as an average NFL team with a lot of talent. And what I was concluding is that there I don't think there's a precedent for what's happening to the Colts. I don't believe there is a historical precedent for what we are seeing with the Indianapolis Colts. They've now gone two years post-Andrew Luck at a time where the few cases and examples we have in NFL history, like Terry Bradshaw retiring, which he was older at the time, but a future Hall of Famer, and Barry Sanders retiring, Deion Sanders leaving in free agency. In the few examples that we have, the teams bottom out at this point in history. But the Colts aren't that right now. Going into next offseason, they'll have the second most cap space available in the NFL. Going into this season, they have Ryan Kelly, Pro Bowler, Darius Leonard, All Pro, Quentin Nelson, All Pro. They've got a ton of great players that will keep them afloat the same way that Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner keep the Seattle Seahawks afloat, as we've talked about multiple times on this podcast. But what's most interesting, what's most interesting about this Indianapolis Colts run is what switching from one of the worst quarterback situations in the NFL to one of the best quarterback situations in the NFL could have done for the Indianapolis Colts. Andrew Luck is the albatross question mark that keeps us or keeps me up at night thinking about the Colts. Because it's literally unlike anything I've seen, and I don't know if I'll see anything like it again in my lifetime. Just vanishing from the face of the earth. Andrew Luck just vanishes from the face of the earth, leaving the Colts to fend for themselves and doing a pretty good job at it. But I attest that this is probably the worst possible scenario the Colts could have had given the amount of talent they have. Not every team in the NFL has three all-pro players and can still have three all-pro players despite having their star franchise quarterback, one of the six best quarterbacks in the NFL, just up and retire partway through the season. Or I'm sorry, partway through training camp. He didn't even make it to that season. But when we all assumed he was going to be there, and then it didn't end up happening. They've got Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, Darius Leonard as all-pro players. DeForest Buckner made the all-pro team last year. They also had a long snapper make the all-pro, but I forgot about DeForest Buckner, too. He was an all-pro player last year. If you count the uh, if you count the long snapper, the Colts had five all-pro players. And this, I would argue that, yes, being average is a bit of a success, 
by NFL standards, but I look at the Colts and I think that they're one of the great disappointments of the last 10 years as I've been watching football. That a team with that much talent didn't get a chance to compete for the Super Bowl because they have as much great play, as many great players as the 49ers. That 49ers team that went to the Super Bowl, they had as many great players as those 49ers teams. They had as many great players as those New Orleans Saints teams that almost went to the Super Bowl. They had as many great players as those Packers teams that have gone to back-to-back uh, NFC Championship games. They have the talent. Now they just have a revolving door at quarterback. And imagine if you could have plugged an elite future Hall of Fame quarterback into that team. Because they had it. And we got to see glimpses of it in 2018 when the Colts went 9-1 and with the number one QBR, number one rated offensive line, number one rated defense, number one in offensive efficiency. Frank Reich had turned the team somewhat around. At the very least, they didn't give up at one and five. And this this is the other situation that I forgot to mention with Frank Reich is that Jerry Glanville, the coach of the Falcons under Deion Sanders, he got fired after Deion left. Bobby Ross got fired in Detroit. Uh, Jim Caldwell got fired in Indianapolis. Chuck Knoll retired as coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Frank Reich's pretty damn secure in his job right now. Frank Reich's probably going to be the Colts coach for a while. And maybe Carson Wentz ends up working out. They can get out of the contract next year with a $20 million cap hit. But maybe it works out for the Colts and maybe it works out with Carson Wentz. But if not, you just keep looking around like how long is this going to be the revolving door of quarterbacks because the Colts are not bad enough to get a top quarterback unless they invest the draft capital in the quarterback position, which I attest they should have done many years ago. I know the options weren't great in 2020 or 2021 for the Indianapolis Colts. They traded their first round pick for DeForest Buckner the year before, and that's undoubtedly a great move. They still have this revolving door at the quarterback position that doesn't exactly help them get out of this 17 and 15 purgatory. And now, as the injuries start to pile up and the realities of building a sustainable roster in the NFL start to catch up to them, because, you know, you've got your all pro players down, but what happens when you lose? a Malik hooker. What happens when you lose a Kenny Moore? What happens when Anthony Costanzo retires and you have to replace him with, uh, I forgot who they drafted. They drafted Quiddy pay in the first round, but I forgot who they took. They took a tackle in the second round. I just forgot who it is now. You know, the Colts look around and some of the issues of sustainability build up and the Colts, again, the solution is to draft more great players. And they did that. They used a first round pick to get DeForest Buckner who's an all pro player. Maybe Quiddy pay turns into something special. The Colts have done a great job at being sustainably built, but they feel really disappointing. And Andrew Luck probably did. was responsible for a lot of that. And now, you know, Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson injuries are going to actually make a genuine impact. Like I talk about, you know, training camp doesn't matter as much and I don't need to watch hall of fame games, but I do like watching preseason games. Like, no, this actually matters a lot. Like the 
losing Quentin Nelson matters a lot to the Indianapolis Colts, even if he, you know, he wants to come back for week one, which is, you know, if it's a 12 week injury, you're already battling hurt now. So that again, football players play hurt all the time, but it's just a little too gladiator ish. If Quentin Nelson's already battling injuries and he's a three time all pro guard and they, they, you know, it's something that they want to protect for years and years and years. But, you know, maybe if he's already playing hurt, then it makes you question the effectiveness. And we already know the well-documented history of Carson Wentz's injuries, and it, it makes things a little bit nervous because the Colts, I don't know if they have that level of sustainability to bounce back. It, even in a weak division, like this is why they won't bottom out. They play in a really weak division with the Jaguars and the Texans. But I don't know if they've got the the, the manpower to bounce back from not having Quentin Nelson and not having Carson Wentz. Given how great I feel Darius Leonard is and how great Ryan Kelly has been and how great DeForest Buckner is and guys like Anthony Walker. I think Anthony Walker is still there. But to, to the point, the Colts... I don't think have that sustainability there. And again, it's been a, an unprecedented situation. Like Chris Ballard has been meticulous in his draft picks, which have been for the most part, better, better than most people. I'd say he's one of the best drafters in the NFL and he's been meticulous about cap space, but he's just been dealt an unprecedented shitty hand by losing your star quarterback to retirement right before season begins and having to fend for yourself with the revolving door of Jacoby Brissett's and Brian Hoyer's and Philip Rivers well past his prime who finished 19th in QBR last year, despite a team that made the playoffs. And now Jacob Eason, Sam Ellinger, it's just a revolving door of backup quarterbacks. Is and bat fringe starters and backup quarterbacks, one of the worst quarterback situations in the NFL. It's just been a rough go for the Colts trying to replace Andrew Luck. They've done their best to do it. They've finished about 500, which is honestly the best you can ask of them thus far. But I do think that this, the Quentin Nelson injury and the, uh, the Carson Wentz injury are actually going to do a, a number on the Colts. They might only be gone for like a month. But even when they come back, I feel like this is going to do a number on the Colts and maybe they still win the division, but it's 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 the AFC South is basically what I want to say there. It's the AFC South. They exist to be the fourth seed, play a playoff game on ESPN and lose to some fifth seed wild card. It's kind of what the AFC South exists for at this point. So in the weakest division in professional football, the Colts now find themselves fading back a little bit in year three of a truly, truly unprecedented situation as we head into year three of the Take It Easy podcast in football season. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here today to the Take It Easy podcast. We've got episodes every single day, Monday through Friday, as well as Wired Up on Sundays. There might not be Wired Up this week, though. We're waiting to see, but Wired Up will get going once we get closer to football season, though. So thank you for stopping in here today. Remember, five-star reviews. Doesn't have to be a nice review. Just has to be a five-star review on Apple Podcast. 
And as always, take it easy. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.